0: Hello, I'm Richard Gisbert, and you're at The Listening Post. We're breaking format this week with a special program on Palestine and Israel. The violence that spiraled through the month of May, the dispossession of Palestinians from Jerusalem, the blood that was shed at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the renewed, brutal onslaught on Gaza, and the stories of resistance all sounded uncomfortably familiar. But for a change, it seemed like the world was listening, watching. This program is about who they're listening to. Young Palestinians asserting themselves online and penetrating the mainstream media by documenting their realities. Human rights organizations finally seeing legacy media outlets adopting the kind of language, terms like apartheid, that apply to the occupation. A few days after the ceasefire in Gaza, we spoke with two Palestinians who have tilted international attention towards their struggle from Gaza, photographer Hossam Salem, whose images captured the bombings and the after effects. But we start with Sheikh Jarrah resident and activist Munna El-Kurd, whose showdowns with armed Jewish settlers who were backed by Israeli police put her East Jerusalem neighborhood on the map. When watching Munna El-Kurd, keep in mind, she is 23 years
1: old. Breaking
2: news overnight in Israel, police are bracing for more protests and clashes with
0: Palestinians today.
1: Israeli settler groups have been trying to get Palestinian families evicted from their homes in this area for
3: years. The current tensions were sparked partly by this viral video in which local woman, Muna al-Kurd, confronts a Jewish settler.
2: Jacob, you know this is not your house.
3: Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me?
2: <تصفيق> إحنا بنتقاتل على وجودنا في هاي الأرض. هو عارف إنه هذا بيتي. لكن صراحة ما توقعت يحكي هيك. أبداً ما توقعت يحكي هيك. ما بعرف إذا عن جد بدي أحكي إنه ربنا أنطقه وخلاه يحكي. بس يعقوب. السبب إنه انتشر الفيديو بهذا الشكل الهائل إنه شهد شاهد من أهله. مستوطن إسرائيلي أمريكي. بالأساس جاي من نيويورك استولى على منزله وسرق واعترف بلسانه وعرف ما هي المنظومة الاحتلالية الاستعمارية التي نعيش تحتها أهلاً عشان يشوفوا شو اللي عمالة بيحصل حصل معانا اللي عمالي بصوره قصة اليوم بعد ما الناس عمالها بتتوجه لصفحتي خلينا أقول مصدر موثوق للمعلومات عملي بصور الانتهاكات بحق أهل الحي والمؤازرين. بوثق اعتداءات المستوطنين كمان عملي بوثق كيف قوات الاحتلال تأخذ أوامرها من المستوطنين وكيف بتقوم بحمايتهم. تعال عنه تعال. كيف نظام الفصل العنصري العملون بقنو علينا الإغلاق غير القانوني المفروض على الحي كل هذه التفاصيل حياتنا اليومية. يا جماعة في صحفيين اللي هم من حمله البطاقة النقابس الفلسطينية منعوهم يدخلوا فأنا دخلت لهم الكاميرا عشان أصور لهم كم لقطه لأنه منعينهم يدخلوا يعني في كل مرة أنا كمنا أو غيري من النشطاء والإعلاميين اللي بحاولوا يغطوا ما يحدث في حي الشغجرح من انتهاكات واعتداءات المستوطنين وقوات الاحتلال بتم منعهم والتضييق عليهم الصحفيين بيمنعهم حتى يدخلوا على الحي والنشطاء بحاولوا يغطوا على الكاميرات يدفشونه يبعدونا ما تقربيش مو قبل ما حكيت بس إحنا اليوم العمالنا بنحكي إنه أنا اللي ألا تستمر خلص زهقنا ما بدنا نعيد هاي النكبة ما بدي أرجع أعيش بخيمي أنا وأهلي وجيراني ما بدنا هذا الإشي يصير ففعلاً حيفة, حيفة اللي تهجرنا منها ويافة وصرفند الخراب وكل هاي المناطق شو كانت ما كانت الشيخ جراح بشي مرحلة كانت مدينة عربية أصيلة اللي تهجروا سكانها منها وصارت صارت إسرائيلية وهيك تيسير بالشيخ جراح لا سمح الله وبسلوان وكمان بمناطق كثير مختلفة كمان من أحياء القدس لكل العالم تعرف أنه إحنا آه رمز الصبر والصمود إلنا 40 سنة في محاكم الاحتلال قصتنا مش جديدة وكنا شوكة في كل هاي السنوات في حلق الاحتلال ورح نضل The epicenter is the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem,
4: one of the holiest sites in Islam, under Israeli control. Chaos and confrontation inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound as Israeli police fire stun grenades to disperse Muslim worshippers.
3: predictably israel was quick to respond and hard
4: الشعور الحقيقي كان انه يعني عن جد انا ما طلعت من غزه على المكان انا ما قدرته يعني ثلاث سنين كانوا ما حكيت لك في الحروب القبل وفي التصعيدات اللي قبل كانت وفي الأيام القصف المستمرة على غزة كان القصف لبيت لبيتين تلت بيوت المرة هاي العشرة أيام حرب هدولة يقصف البيت يقصف مفترق الشارع اللي أمامه يقصف على مساحة مربع كامل يتم قصف عشرين خمسة وعشرين غارة في نفس الوقت المرة هاي صار رعب إنه أنا قاعد بصير أمامي مسح لمربعات سكنية كاملة. أنا برأيك كمصور أو كحدث ساكن في قضاء غزة إنه القصف الأبراج هو ضغط أكبر على المواطنين على سكان غزة على المقاومة اللي في غزة إنه هي إحنا قادرين نشرد 200 عيلة في لحظة قصف الأبراج ما أعتقد فيه هذا في غزة ممكن يقتنع إنه هذا قصف الأبراج لأنه فيه شقق لحماس أو للجهاد أو للمقاومة بشكل عام. في أول يوم الحرب عملت لصالح موقع الجزيرة الإنجليزية قمت بتغطية استهداف برج سكني في وسط حي الرمال كان في صور الناس وهي بتشرد قاعدة بتخلي من المنطقة هاي وكان في صور وداع وصور ناس نازله بلبس الصلاة عشان تشرد من المنطقة ثاني يوم والأيام الباقيه استغلت لصالح نيويورك تايمز بعض الصور اللي انتقعتها منذ طبعت في الصفحة الأولى وطبعت في الصفحات الأخرى كان منها مثلا جنازة ناجي من عائلة إش تناخ في قصف مربع حي المشارع الوح... الوحدة العائلة استشهدت الأم وأربع أطفال الأب ناجي وحيد أحضروه وهو مصاب ولسه وم... الدم يعني بارز على جسمه أجا يودع عائلته أثناء الوداع قمت التقاط صورة معبرة وتم طبعتها الصفحة الأولى إحنا كنا نعاني سواء إحنا الصحفيين سواء أنه سكان المنطقة أي شيء متحرك في غزة كان يعاني وبيعاني بشكل كبير جداً وكان التخوف في أنه في أي لحظة ممكن يفقد حياته على مدار تقريباً 15 سنة أو 16 سنة بنحاول كمصورين صحفيين أنه ننقل الصورة اللي بتعبر عن الحصار المفروض على قطاع غزة ممكن يعني صار عندنا اللي هو تكرار الصورة على مدار هذه السنوات لدرجة انه الناس اللي برا اللي بنشتغل باحهم حفظوا ايش الصورة اللي بتطلع من غزة الناس تعبت من الحصار المفروض عليهم منذ 15 عام وإحنا حاولنا نترجم هذا الاشي من خلال صورنا
0: خطاع
4: <تصفيق> غزة منطقة مليئة بالأحداث الحربية الحالية يعني أحداث الحرب أحداث الشهداء the اللي جارية من قبل of the على فلسطين بشكل عام، وأحياناً إحنا بنضطر of من هذه الأحداث لنقل first إحنا دائماً بنحمل اللي هي first of the first of the first بنحاول نترجمها من خلال the first فبنحاول ننقل first اللي the first من خلال هذه الأشياء.
2: حكيت حكيت مع
4: حكيت مع
2: من الواضح انه هذه الحركة كانت لترهيبنا كانت لتخويفنا لانه دائما وابدا مهما مهما فعلتم سنبقى في منازلنا صامدين مرابطين لانه لا احد في
0: is just one of dozens of activists and journalists arrested and interrogated by the Israelis since the so called ceasefire went into effect Tarek Nafa has been following the story for us. Tarek, what's behind this latest crackdown on Palestinians? What are the Israelis saying about
1: it? Well, in the case of Mona kurd and her brother Mohammed, they're accused of things like participating in riots or disturbing the peace. But there really is no peace for Palestinians. As you mentioned, ordinary people, activists, and journalists are being rounded up violently, often in full view of TV cameras. The Israeli police have said it openly. They're out to restore deterrence. And in Jerusalem, we've seen what that means. <laughs> Najwan Simri, a Palestinian reporter with Al Jazeera Arabic, was hospitalised after this encounter with Israeli security forces. Stop! Stop! And here is Al Jazeera's Javar al-Bodeiri, a reporter with more than 20 years' experience in Jerusalem. Her hand was broken by Israeli forces and she was assaulted in the back of a police car. This is what she was told when she arrived at the police station.
2: Um, One of the soldiers told me, um, we will let you shut up, you, all of Al Jazeera, here on the ground, so all the journalists will shut up. If we let uh, al-Jazeera be silent, everyone will, will shut up.
0: The Israelis clearly don't like the coverage of this oppression. But how do you stop the messengers when there
1: are so many of them? Well, with more violence, more arrests, more intimidation, which will only generate more headlines, it seems completely illogical. But here's the thing, up until now, That strategy has worked. Israel's occupation, its settlement policy, its building demolitions, they are illegal, but they've been persisted with because of international impunity. But the narrative abroad, if not the politics, is starting to shift and not in Israel's favour. Just this week, more than 250 journalists from some of the top media outlets in the world signed a letter addressed to their own industry saying the, quote, sanitising of Israel's systematic oppression of Palestinians must stop. And this aspect is telling Richard. A number of reporters who signed that letter from outlets like The Washington Post, CNN and ABC did so anonymously. Calling for fact-based reporting on Palestine, especially in the US media, can be professionally costly, even career-ending. The letter cites rights groups like Human Rights Watch and B'Tselem that have joined Palestinians in using terms like apartheid and ethnic supremacy. It says journalists need to examine whether their coverage reflects that reality.
0: Thanks, Tarek. Human rights groups are another critically important source of news content and context on this story. B'Tselem is an Israeli human rights organisation that documents violations in the occupied territories. Its executive director joins us now. Hagai El-Ad, thanks for speaking with us here at the Listening Post today.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: We heard earlier in the program about Muna and Mohammed El-Kurd, the video testimony that they've been providing that's all over social media. How much of that material are Israeli audiences seeing? Is it making any kind of impact
3: there? Very little, if any at all. And this is just like a very typical situation where the media in Israel, almost all of it, except very few uh, other examples, uh, tends to cover things in a very one-directional fashion. Uh, Including, for instance, on the recent uh, assault uh, round bombings on on, on Gaza, what the public here sees is very one-sided. Rockets being fired at Israeli towns uh, and almost zero coverage of the situation in Gaza or in the West Bank, or in East Jerusalem. It's not a result of some censorship, it's a result imposed by the government. It is a result of self-censorship by the Israeli media that is choosing only to tell um, part of the story, but far from the entire story, silencing the aspects of Palestinian human rights abuses.
0: While the bombing in Gaza has stopped for now, there's really been no ceasefire for ordinary Palestinians. In Israel itself, police have rounded up hundreds of Palestinian citizens, arrested many of them, some for simply posting an image or an opinion online. Your organization monitors human rights. What does Betselem make of the measures the Israeli authorities have been taking under what the Israeli authorities call Operation Law and Order?
3: It's, it's an excellent point, and I, I hope that it's one that could be appreciated by, by your view, viewers, that for Palestinians living under Israeli apartheid, there's not a single second of a ceasefire. <laughs> there's always one form or another in which Palestinian rights are under assault by Israeli authorities, be it inside the Green Line, inside Israel proper, or in occupied and e- illegally annexed East Jerusalem or in the West Bank, or in the blockaded Gaza Strip. So there are the moments, the the days, sometimes the weeks, in which there is visible violence, bombings, killings, and so on. And then there is international media attention, as indeed there should be. But when the cameras turn off, Palestinians continue to be subject to daily, routine, mundane, bureaucratic Israeli state violence through the imposition of travel restrictions and the need for permits and the knowledge that if a family member is killed or injured, then the security forces that do it will enjoy almost blanket impunity. And the million other ways in which Palestinians are abused day in and day out in this oppressive reality and most of the time it's invisible but for for the world but for the people that are living under the receiving edge of this reality it's relentless and it will not stop until we see structural change as part of what you call your camera
0: project Betselem has been working with Palestinian citizens across the West Bank and Jerusalem to film and document abuses Muna and Mohammed al-Kurd were involved as early as 2011. They were just 14 years old at the time. How does video documentation help expose the everyday violence of the occupation?
3: Yeah, so we've introduced about just over 10 years ago uh, also the ability to have video footage because there's an ongoing Israeli propaganda effort to dismiss anything that the Palestinian says as uh, somehow false. Even if you have a number of witnesses and medical records and so on, still there will be this huge effort to dismiss and discredit. So we were hopeful that with video footage that that uh, would change that reality.
2: This is our house, Jarrah. our house, is
3: and on the one hand, I think it's been a very significant success, much thanks to the courage and commitment of Palestinian volunteers that have been doing this effort to try and just document their lived experience through these video cameras.
2: هاي هون صار لا، طبعاً. هذا يومياً
3: but at the same time it's also been another 10 years of occupation oppression impunity for israelis and apartheid that's that's the reality
0: you just used the word apartheid this year betselem joined palestinian rights groups in using that term to describe israel's policies you were criticized when you did that human rights watch has since joined you in doing so why is it so important the journalists and opinion makers, covering this story, use that word, apartheid?
3: I think first and foremost, it's important because it's correct. uh, And the reality needs to be described in the correct way. And the analysis needs to be done on the basis of facts and not on the basis of wishful thinking. And as long as people around the world continue describing the situation here in a way that's untethered from reality, to pretend that there are two regimes here, a democracy inside the green line and a temporary occupation on the other side of the green line. As long as that's the model, democracy plus temporary occupation, then people are doing the wrong analysis and are arriving at the wrong conclusions. No, there are no two regimes here. There is one regime between the river and the sea, the rule of the government of Israel, that applies the same underlying logic of advancing Jewish supremacy at the expense of the rights of Palestinians. This has a name, the name for that is apartheid, and we need to be accurate, precise, and honest in addressing this injustice if we want to end it. Organizations
0: like Beth Selim, Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, through your work, you help provide the frameworks for the news narratives on Palestine and Israel. You see your work show up in the journalism. From your vantage point, is the narrative changing, the international narrative? on this
3: story yes i think we are seeing uh, those changes Uh, and i think first and foremost they are the result of the the work of palestinian activists that have been advancing this and i hope that we had some modest contribution in this uh, in this regard Uh, it's late Uh, i'd say better late than never Uh, but i think we are seeing that this is uh, this is happening and i think in a situation which is overall bleak like this needs to be spelled out Uh, we shouldn't be you know overly optimistic with regard to the situation here we have a very successful, from its own perspective, oppressive regime. Again, not only because of its ability to oppress, but because of its ability successfully for decades to get away with it with impunity.
0: We've seen this pattern before, the unrest, the escalation, Gaza gets bombed, the disproportionate number of Palestinian casualties, the eventual ceasefire. So how should news organizations treat this story now that things have, quote unquote, returned to normal?
3: Don't look away. Um, This has happened already so, I mean, if I think about Gaza, and I think about 2008, 2009, and then 2012, and then two years later, and then a couple of weeks ago, and yes, there was a time of attention, and then attention shifted away, which means that two million people just went back to living in an unbearable blockade and and being cut off from the rest of the planet, and, and so much human suffering and such an entrenched injustice, and yet again and again and again and again and again, uh, the attention shifts uh, away. This is not a domestic Israeli issue. This is one of the most international issues in the context of human rights in the 21st century. It has to be addressed internationally, and it will not be addressed internationally if the media doesn't keep its eye watchful on this situation, even when things go back to what is wrongly often called the status quo. It is never static, it is always the advancements of the privileges of Jewish Israelis at the expense of the rights of Palestinians. It's a call, really, for the morality of international public opinion to wake up to the injustice here, to wake up to Israeli apartheid and to demand change. And this can happen through the commitment of the media not to walk away from what's happening here because it doesn't walk away from what's happening here for even a single second for Palestinians living under this reality.
0: Haggai Elad of Beth Shelem, thanks for speaking with us here at The Listening Post
3: today. Thank you so much.
0: Don't walk away, or look away, as he put it. A message for the global media and those who rely on it for their news and information. Palestinians know that their fate will not be determined in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. That international media outlets based in Western capitals are the ones that have to stay on this story if real change is to occur. And if the global media turn their attention elsewhere, as they are wont to do, there's always social media. It's become the place to go for news content that holds power to account and compels mainstream news organizations to do the same. You've been watching a special edition of our program on Palestine and Israel. We'll see you next time here at The Listening Post.